This morning's lesson comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, and then we'll jump down to 16, verses, uh, verses 16 through 28. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens be- being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. What do you do when it's a new year and you're longing for a new beginning? What do you do when you see the beauty of what God has done in the previous year or you just feel like, oh, so happy that that year is over and done? What do you do when the year that you just got over and the year you see looking ahead seems not so much like it's a new beginning, but that the world is on fire all around you. Maybe in your own private life or maybe just in what you see in the world going on today. And you wonder, what will God do? What will I do? Well, that is a perfect time to read the Gospel of Mark. Because this Gospel was written to a world like the one you're living in. Now, the Gospel of Mark was written, some scholars think, maybe as early as 55 AD. But many scholars think it may have been written around the mid-60s, 65 AD or so. And that the author, Mark, who was a companion of Peter, and and much of his gospel is a testimony from Peter, is writing this gospel from Rome. And if, in fact, uh, we did get it right, and it was written in the mid-60s, then 
what we discover is that right around that time, or at least in that 10-year period, 55 to 65, the world actually was on fire. In fact, in 64 AD, Rome was literally on fire. You may know from history, in fact, over half of the city burnt down. And then a rumor began to spread that the emperor himself had started this fire. The emperor himself had started this fire. And that rumor persisted. And so the emperor had to do something about it. Excuse me. And that something was to find a scapegoat. And the scapegoat, uh, according to uh, Roman historian, first century historian Tashus, was to find a perfect scapegoat who the crowd stylized as Christians, following Christus, or the Christ, the founder whose name had, as the historian reports, undergone the death penalty under the reign of Tiberius. And that death penalty was prosecuted and executed by Pontius Pilate. This is from Roman history, not the Bible. First century historian Tashus, not a Christian, who reports this. And as he reports this, we, by the way, confess much of this, don't we? Of this Christ who would die under Pontius Pilate and then would rise again. It's interesting that our faith, we're reminded right here in this history, is grounded in the reality of what actually happened. Jesus did this. God with us. But that means something important for us today. That Mark was written through in this historic moment to tell us something important about who Jesus is and why Jesus is important and what he did and how are we to connect the dots with the Old Testament of what he promised in the past and what does it mean to actually follow him when the world is on fire. And this message is for you. In your world, in our world, when the world around us seems crazy, when the world around us is hard, Mark comes to us bluntly, sometimes called by scholars the hurried gospel because he gets right to the point. We don't get a manger scene, Uh, we don't get wise men, we get the full grown Jesus at his baptism. Right to the point of what Jesus is about to do. But also because we hear this word, in English anyway, immediately, over and over again throughout the gospel. 35 times in English, and it's translated in other places. Euthis uh, is the word. As you heard it read in English as make straight the path in verse 3. And so he takes us right to the point. Some scholars say that his frequent use of this word stresses the importance of the event and shows us something important about Christ's ministry, connecting those dots, taking a world that's on fire and saying, this is who Jesus is. This is why you should follow him. This is what it means for your life. 
and gets us there quickly because it's so important. And this Jesus, as one scholar said in talking about this word, and as offensive as it might sound in our culture, didn't come to accept us. Jesus didn't come to accept us. He came to forgive us. And I'm going to unpack the difference as we get into this text. And as he forgives us, he calls not perfect people, but sinful people, well, all except one, which gave, by the way, John the Baptist trouble when Jesus came to uh, baptize him. I'm not worthy to baptize you. You don't need this. We'll understand that as well as we dig in. And he calls us imperfect people to forgiveness, to be actually chosen by God because of what Christ has done. There's so much in this chapter this morning that I thought about putting together a 20-point sermon this morning. But don't worry, I kept it to five, five points, all right? Jesus' baptism tells us who God is. Jesus' baptism tells us what Jesus came to do. Jesus' baptism tells us who we are. And Jesus' baptism leads to defeating evil. Jesus' baptism leads to our call and our purpose in life. This is where we're going to go this morning as we dig in. And just like this gospel may have come into an important world, a time in history when it was on fire, this gospel comes to us in our real history. And God is inviting you to receive this word and be a recipient of it and see how he is speaking to you in your world, in our world right now today. Because it's only the word of God, only the good news of the gospel that can transform a world on fire. And so Jesus' baptism tells us who God is. Some of the connections take place in this text. You might have remembered hearing them the second week of Advent where we read a portion of Mark chapter 1 then. Or as one pastor joked, uh, for a guy, John the Baptist, who said, I must decrease and you must Increase, he sure keeps getting a lot of playtime in our lectionary, right? And yet, it's because of his importance to point us to who Jesus is. And as he quotes, as we remember, uh, Isaiah 40 and Malachi and the beginning verses of this chapter to remind us that what's happening here is a fulfillment of what God had promised. Those quotes continue now to shape and show us what Jesus is doing. So when you hear that the heavens were torn open in this text, it's a quotation, a fulfillment of Isaiah 63. And not only that, but a foreshadowing of what is about to come in Mark chapter 15 at the end of the gospel. The same word in Isaiah 63 In the Greek Septuagint, it's the same word in Mark 1. It's the same word in Mark 15 when the curtain is torn and we enter into the presence of God. 
This apocalyptic word is gritty. It is actually, as it breaks into our world, violent. It's a violent word. Breaking into our world. God breaks into this world on fire. It fulfills promises and tells us that Jesus, in fact, is God and He is now breaking in. And He takes us back to the wilderness, a place where we see in the Bible from days of old until now is a place of preparation. And then He walks into the Jordan River. And whenever you cross the Jordan River in the Bible, it's always crossing into a promise. And by the way, as Jesus walks into that Jordan River, it's also with this word torn and breaking in, a declaration of war. A war on evil. He is coming in. And we hear the Father's voice speak. The Spirit descends. And with Jesus present, we are introduced right here in Mark chapter 1. In the first few verses, the Trinity Father, Son, and Holy, the Holy Spirit, God, is before us. Jesus' baptism tells us who God is. But not only that, it tells us what He has come to do. This baptism of John of repentance, this is where it gets weird. Because John's like, no, 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 no. Uh, I can't baptize you. you. You don't even need to repent. I'm not worthy to even uh, tie the sandals on your feet. And Jesus said, no, this must be accomplished. You must baptize me. And he walks in to the Jordan River and he performs a reversal. You see, when we come to the baptism that Jesus has ordained for us, we come like in 1 Peter chapter 3 for the waters of regeneration to cleanse us from our sin. When Jesus walks in, a man born under the law with through Mary, but also from God and the Holy Spirit, as we just heard from the Father's voice and by the Spirit descending, he comes and repents for us. And instead of sin going away from him because he knew no sin, he bore our sin. There's a reversal that takes place. And as he walks into the waters of baptism to bring about his promise for us, he bears the sin for us. And so, when Jesus comes into this world, He doesn't come to say, no, it's okay. Everything's fine. No worries. Forgiveness is offensive. Because forgiveness doesn't say, I accept you. Like, I got a question earlier this year from someone that said, why would I want to go to heaven with this person who hurt me so badly if they're just going to get forgiven? Fair question if forgiveness is acceptance. But it's not. Forgiveness is a declaration that what has been done is wrong. 
and has separated us from God and from each other. Forgiveness says something needs to change. And God comes to bring that change through Jesus. In fact, the Bible says when we're forgiven, the old has been passed away and a new creation, the new has come. In Romans chapter 6, it says we die with Christ in baptism and rise again to new life. That old is dead and the new has come. Forgiveness is not acceptance. Jesus comes to transform us and to forgive us. And this is what he's come to do. And so we literally die with Christ in baptism and rise again to new life with him. And so when we're in heaven with that forgiven saint, that old is not there. It has passed away. So not only has Jesus come to forgive us, but in coming to forgive us, it tells us who we are. We're a people with a problem. And that problem is sin. And he says to us, I am the way. And when we are forgiven, he does it something once more. We get the title that God gives him. As we hear in this text, God calls Jesus his beloved. And in Christ, we now die and rise with him and we are now. You are now. As Henry, Father Henry Nowen points out in the life of the beloved, you are now the beloved of God. Did you know that? Forgiven in Christ, he calls you beloved. The beloved people of God. This is what God does when he transforms us through forgiveness. And of course, as we see immediately in the text, this leads Jesus to begin to defeat evil. Notice what happens here in chapter 1. Immediately after his baptism, he goes to fight the devil and the temptation in the desert. He does that with God's word. And immediately he calls the disciples to go on this Jesus-shaped path with him as his beloved to give them a purpose and to participate in this work. And this idea of being fishers of men isn't something new to the New Testament. It's something understood even from days of old in the Old Testament. Remember, once you're caught, like any good catch, you die. But then you rise again in Christ. In Romans 6, we hear to new life, with a new purpose, because the heavens have been torn open. The light on this epiphany season is shining in to the whole world now. This violent moment turns to, as one scholar put it, a grace-filled activity. And then he begins, immediately it says, to teach to teach this good news. And, and 
a real time and place. This is the synagogue that he was teaching. I took this photo. You can go there and visit it in Capernaum. This is where Jesus taught. He brought the word. He brought the word to defeat the devil. He brought the word to call the disciples. He brought the word to bring forgiveness and life. And he brings the word in his teaching. In a real time and place where you and I live. Immediately he began healing and defeating evil by casting out demons. Jesus is Lord over body, mind, and spirit. Jesus is Lord of all. Body, mind, and spirit. He comes to defeat evil. Jesus' baptism then leads us to know what our call and purpose in life is. You're not called to be an avenger or a member of the Justice League. You're not called to be the hero. Jesus is the hero. But we receive this gift and then graciously we get to participate in his work, in this calling to share the good news of the gospel, the good news that Jesus has come to forgive. And in forgiveness, he calls us his beloved. This new year, can deal with the world on fire when you are doused in the waters of baptism because Jesus bears, he takes on our sin. This can transform everything around us. And by the way, if you haven't been baptized yet, we've got plenty of water. Don't wait. Come to this font. You can do it today. Come. And be baptized. Die and rise again to new life. For Jesus tears into this world. Tears into the heavens. And will tear the curtain that separates us from God in two. With this apocalypse. With this light shining in. This epiphany. Everything we need to know about God. About life. Is being revealed to us through Jesus. Friends, this is just the first chapter. This is just the first chapter. You can see why there could be 20 points. There's so much more, and I invite you to walk alongside us in this word and let it be revealed to you and in our hearts together. For Jesus' baptism, right here in the Gospel of Mark, tells us who God is, tells us what He's come to do, tells us who we are and tells us that he is defeating evil in this world as our Lord. And it gives us a call and a purpose in our life. Let's respond to it today. Let us be recipients of it. Let us hear him call us. Beloved. Amen.